Uh, but I don't know whether you saw this puzzle that went viral during the week. This was um, something that a school teacher did, actually. Yolanda, this was a school teacher. She brought this to their class at the beginning of the term. Puzzle of the week. I am the beginning of everything, the end of everywhere. I'm the beginning of eternity, the end of time and space. What am I? And um, you can go on the internet and find out what things that the children, the children puzzles about, because this went much more complicated than the teacher had hoped, because the actual answer is what? Do you know? The letter E, that's right. And of course, even the children were reaching for something more profound than that, right? <laughs> and, and of course, the truth is, the letter E will not get you out of bed in the morning, right? It won't get me out of bed in the morning, but I have an answer to this question that's much better than the letter E. And it's the Father God who inhabits this universe, who made it all, and who makes life worth living. So, um, now, uh, over Christmas, I got to see my granddaughter quite a bit up in Yorkshire and uh, saw parenting close at hand, and, uh, which is hard, isn't it? It's hard work parenting. She's nine months old, something like that. And, uh, and we went for a walk on Ilkley Moor, right? Because, you know, uh, we weren't bar tats, we had our hats, okay? We had our hats, you need a hat on, on Ilkley Moor. It was very wet and it was very slippery. Adam, my son-in-law, had my daughter, my granddaughter, Zoe, in one of these p- sort of pouch things, what you call them, I don't know, carry things, strapped onto him. And in the, it was so wet, he slipped over with her, you know, and, uh, and then slipped over again later on in the walk sort of thing. And um, I could see my daughter struggling a bit with this. You know, look after my baby. (laughs) Yep, you can get this kind of thing. And uh, having a a child is is challenging, isn't it? And um, if you don't have children, I'm sure you can identify with this anyway. You know, your child will probably bring you some of the greatest moments in your life and give you some of the greatest griefs as well. The same is true when Jesus makes you fall in love with his family. The family of God is also um, a a real experience of great challenges, tremendous joys and sometimes great disappointments. Now parenting with natural children is a job that's unpaid. It has no breaks either because children have no pause buttons. Occasionally you might get to sleep the night through. It means working, or at least being on call for 24 hours, 7 days a week, 52 weeks of the year, year after year after year, without a holiday. Well, it does, doesn't it? And uh, I don't know, Joe, but Ben and Joe have got probably the newest baby in the church here. It's, it's hard work. And you know, when you're raising a child, you'll probably spend tens of thousands of pounds over a long period, over 18 plus years, and... Um, you know, and that won't be easy for you uh, to, to do. So, um, and, and that will be challenging. So, um, what, what we want here is um, to think about that. And then a child can make you work uh, with a person whose personality is diametrically opposed to your own. Right? Because a child sometimes has a personality completely different to your own. And, uh, but also having a child makes you fall in love with a person who's sometimes an angel, sometimes a monster, and sometimes both at the same time. And it's a job, well, you can't really resign from it. 
And sadly, sometimes parents feel more guilty than, than about parenting than about anything else. And it's unnecessary, but it can happen. Now, the Bible says the church is also a family, and it can be like that. Real life is very challenging, and we have a new year ahead of us, and all kinds of opportunities. We have th- things to give thanks for as a church family for our year gone past, things to look forward to in our year in the future. And I just want to set a bit of tone for that with a passage uh, from Paul. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, so there's a slide for this. So this is written by three of the early Christian apostles, Paul, Silas and Timothy, to this church. They visited Thessalonica. It's still a city in uh, Greece today. They'd gone there, but after a few weeks they'd had to leave because of the uh, violence. Uh, This was Paul, actually. Later on he sent Timothy, who had a short visit. And within a few weeks or months they wrote a letter together to the church there, probably about, so Paul probably visited about AD 49, wrote the letter about AD 50. And uh, he says in the letter he would have stayed longer. He would have stayed longer, except he was obliged to leave because of these threats of violence. Now, I've as was mentioned before, I, I'm going to be leaving. I've, and so we've enacted the, the program now. I've given my notice to leave at the end of March. Nathan has taken the bold step of giving his notice in because he's going to come and, and work in the church, which is really great news. And uh, uh, but thankfully, I haven't been, I haven't given my notice because of any threat of violence. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's good, isn't it? And uh, so, um, um, <clears throat> so this was written though this letter. So let's read the letter because as we. Um, enter the new year, I want to remind us all that this isn't about trying harder but it's about welcoming Christ welcoming the gospel, entering into the joy of the gospel, enjoying love and joy and peace and righteousness hope and joy in the kingdom of God so, um, we'll read this then, Paul, Silas and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you Right, grace and peace to you. We have such good wishes for one another. Kabatha's mother died earlier this week, so we want grace and peace for you and your dear sisters and your families that uh, you will know his comfort. And uh, uh, thank God that you can assure yourselves that he is, um, that she, your mother, is with the Lord now, and that's a good thing. And um, and also we want grace and peace. I just heard from. Uh, from Pam, Magnus and Pam keep in touch with Midge uh, that she's broken her hip and she's in hospital so um, we can pray for Midge and her recovery so then he goes on speaking uh, to the church there we always thank God for all of you this is Paul, Silas and Timothy thinking of the Christians they've known for just a year we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labour prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message 
in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And in doing that, they were imitating Paul, Silas and Timothy. So they saw in Paul, Silas and Timothy this habit of receiving, welcoming the word with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Verse 7. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, not only in Chertsey and Adelstone. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath what a good rescue that is and one that we would welcome so we are um, uh, talking here about a faith that is a faith that is joyful a faith that uh, overflows from these people so that it overflows to others that others heard about it and that faith does ring out when I meet with local councillors or people like this they often have heard of our church they know about the food bank they know about the, pe- the toddler group often I was mentioned to me they know about parenting courses and people mention things the faith and the work that we are doing to uplift people to bring God's justice and compassion in this community is, does ring out and uh, is heard about by people and I'm surprised sometimes by that we shouldn't be surprised because these things ring out uh, around and so we want to keep let's let's be stirring ourselves because the most important thing is that we keep receiving the word with joy that we keep having this fire upon us that this year we don't think about it's good to do things that, that to enact things to go and help to uplift the rough sleepers and stuff but it must always come from this joy it must come out of this joy that is the gospel of Christ and so we want to remind ourselves I want to remind us about that today you know the Paul and Silas and Timothy could say you know how we lived among you for your sake it wasn't you know the rules we gave you it's saying you know how we lived and how they lived was a life of, of enjoying God and of receiving him with joy so uh, and so we see this in verse um, three if, um, I think that's on the slide. There we go. You, you, your work we remember before our God. Right? And they're praying, Paul, Silas and Timothy, fondly praying for these friends that they've made. And they mention these three phrases, work produced by faith, labour prompted by love and endurance inspired by hope. And it's important we notice those things because the Christian life, family life, living on this earth involves work, labour and endurance without a doubt. It inevitably involves that thing. There's rent to pay, there's a washing machine to get fixed, there's work to go to, there's, there's a, an elderly relative to be visited and looked after. There's things to be done. There is work and labour and endurance. The only question is whether it will be accompanied by faith and love and hope because that's what God our Father wants for us. And so that's the question. For this year, will your work and labour and endurance be accompanied by faith and love and hope?
So the word for, for work here is the, just the general work and word for work in everyday life. What you do every day, going to work, parenting, washing up, washing the, the dishwashing, doing the, uh, you know, washing the sheets and ironing them, volunteering for that charity, being involved in the Parent Teachers Association, uh, visiting that your neighbour and mowing their lawn, that elderly neighbour, checking they've got their shopping in. Those things are your general work. And then labour speaks of the, the the work that when we go the extra mile that kind of work it's uh, that, that's much more um, it, it's, a, it's a more particular thing not just the everyday thing but those special efforts when we really pull the stops out and then endurance life takes endurance doesn't it there are stuff goes wrong we need endurance the authorised version translated this patience, which is a good word, isn't it? Patience is a great virtue. And I, at risk of over-quoting, but I love what Joyce Mayer says about this, that patience is not the ability to wait. It's the ability to have a good attitude while you wait. And I always think, oh yes, I must remember that. That's what patience is. So, But endurance is, is more than that. So one writer says, endurance is active constancy in the face of difficulty. It is the spirit that can bear things, not simply with resignation, but with blazing hope, says William Barclay. So there's something really wonderful about true, true endurance. And this is the lifestyle we see so much in one another, that we see in people bearing up, caring for somebody, coping with a trying situation in their workplace or with a neighbour uh, or such like. It's so valuable, isn't it, when we don't live with a martyr spirit. You know how you can serve with a martyr spirit? I have been in that place sometimes. Maybe you go there sometimes. When I serve, but inside I'm all stewing away with, uh, you know, uh, my life so hard done by. Nobody notices me and all that kind of... You can serve with a martyr spirit. Or we can be serving like Paul talks here with faith and love and hope. And I think that's why Paul and Silas and Timothy, whenever they think of the Christians in Thessalonica, they are happy. That's why they say in verse 2, we always thank God for all of you. Right? That's, that's a joyful thing to do. To thank God for somebody is a joyful thing to do. It means you thought of them and you smiled. Who are the people you think of and they make you smile inside? It makes you happy just to think of them. Uh, uh, well, that's what God wants us to do with our brothers and sisters, with one another, with our family members. He wants us to think and to say, oh, thank, thank you, Father, for this, this person and that person. And let's start doing that because actually, sometimes it's the very act of doing that that helps us to see that person more clearly. One of our values as a church is that we honour, it's on the front of your new sheet if you've got one, is that we believe in honouring people. It was done already this morning. Uh, Nathan did it. We big each other up. We help each other to shine. Uh, You know, we've employed staff. It's great. One of the great successes of last year was to get the coffee shop reopened and now on a steady-as-she-goes basis. Um, able to break even and that's fantastic and what I love as well is that just the great atmosphere and the staff we've employed like to come, they say I love to come to work, that's the kind of place that we like to run that's the sort of a business Christians run and I love that they feel like that and so that, that, that is fantastic because that helps them to shine and we want to help one another to shine, that's what honouring other people 
involves. Now, just just as, just in passing, actually, of course, occasionally they do get complaints in here, and one of the things that disappoints me is that what they report is that most of the complainers are people from the church, and so I think, come on, guys, can we just lift it a bit, right? Let's um. All right, is that okay? Just as an aside, all right? So let's, because starting to thank God for people really starts to change your disposition for people. Now, I don't know about you, but there was a survey done recently by Ipsos Mori um, into the amount of Great Britain that is concreted over. Okay? They were asking people, how much of Great Britain do you think is concreted over? Can you put up this chart? So this, if this is the, the measure of 100 on the left, because I don't know when you can read the numbers, that's the 100% of the land area. You've got all these options. You've got 0.1% here, 1%, 7%, 17%, 27%, 37%, 47%, 50 Yep, got it all the way up to 97 99%. Uh, I, I don't know whether some people want to make a vote. How much of Britain is concreted over? Three, ten, seventeen. So our surveyor here knows the correct answer. The the answer is 0.1%. The Royal Statistical Society decided that was the the statistic... The statistic of the year, whatever, you know what I mean, um, of 2017. Only 0.1% of Britain is concreted over. But do you know, with the Ipsos Mori poll, do you know what the average of people surveyed thought was concreted over? 47% is what people reckoned. Even people in rural areas. Sometimes the people in rural areas thought it was greater than 47%. So... That there was a certain technical detail to what it was. I think it would be truer to say 6% is urban areas, but a lot of urban areas are no more built up than Chertsey or Adelstone, are they? That's the truth. If you go and go to them. Anyway, it, this conviction that nearly half of our land is concreted over, don't you think it might affect people, the way people vote or have their opinions about various things? And yet it's an entirely wrong concept. So what, why am I sharing this? I just know that at times I found it so helpful to deliberately determine, you know, I'm going to thank God every day for this person who's been rather difficult in my life because when I start doing that, my, my, my misperceptions of them, my 47% become, starts to get corrected to the 0.1% or whatever it is. You, yeah? And so I want to recommend it to you. Thanking God for people is a very helpful thing to do. We begin to see God's divine design in them, or at least God's divine design in them being in our lives. So, one of our other values is that we would be expectant. And we're expectant of God. 2018, we're looking to God, what he wants to do. And we're encouraged, we have hope because of what we have seen God do. Because of stories like Megan says just now, she says, I just love seeing God do that. So let's open our eyes to what God might do and be expectant. Be people of, so we work with faith. It's not just work, no, we work with faith. And there's a real choice involved with that. 
And let those expectations be directed towards our Father God, be directed in the name of Jesus to our Creator God, who can actually do great things with very little. Because we often feel, what have I got to bring? But again and again in the Bible, God does wonderful things with what people have in their hand. Because frequently you'll find in the Bible, he just asks people, what have you got in your hand? And, you know, Moses, well, I've got a stick. And uh, uh, the woman that Elijah dealt with, she had just one little jar of oil. And the boy that Jesus there was 5,000 and one boy had a little pack lunch but God again and again you'll find this in the Bible God does something with what we have not what we don't have so bring what you have to God and have expectation but let's not one of the errors with expectation is that we start to put expectation on people instead of on God and you know that often ends up with a little bit of unhappiness and you know as Nathan's comes and works for the church he's a completely different person to me I just want to say I just love it that you and Jenny have accepted that call and are walking into that I love these guys but please don't expect them to be do what I do because they're going to do what they should do yes and that's so important so the expectations need to be edited there's things I cover and do that will not be done by Nathan right and, uh, but, but I bet he'll be far better than I am. So, uh, you know, the comparison, of course, is not a good thing. I shouldn't encourage you to do it. And, um, okay, but let's, let's put our expectation towards Father God, right? So when challenges come along, we don't blame, we don't turn on one another, right? This is what we learn as we begin to follow Christ, because we live in a world where people quickly turn on one another when things have gone wrong. There's a trouble in the NHS, they've had to cancel elective surgery, but the people there are still working hard, like we heard from Norma, and and literally the vast majority of people really trying their best to do the best thing, and... uh, and so God bless them in that. Thank God for people in their emergency services, for our police service, who are there for us in times of emergency. Isn't that wonderful? Well, how gr- grateful we should be in our country for those who serve in these duties and serve often selflessly and uh, at great personal sacrifice. We're grateful to them, so we honour them, as has actually already been done, Norma, this morning. Thank you. So... Um, uh, so we let's be expectant and then we want to be sustainable however in our Christianity we want to we want to do great works we want to bring God's justice to the nation we want to bring his compassion in our community but also we can get burned out so the question is how do we avoid getting burned out in, in doing these works well I think it has to do with that faith hope and love It's great to have work, labour and endurance, but it needs to have faith, hope and love. And there's another church, um, Ephesians, sorry, in Revelation 2, verse 2, the last book of the Bible. We hear about the church in Ephesus, one of the other early churches. And God speaks to the people, the church in Ephesus, through his apostle John. And he says, I know your work, your toil, and your patient endurance. And this is actually, although toil is not the word labour, it's actually the very same word in the Greek. It's the same three words in the original Greek of the New Testament. So they displayed these same things. They had work, they had labour, they had endurance. But do you notice it doesn't mention faith, hope, and love? It doesn't mention that. And it's possible for our lives to be marked by 
works and labour and endurance, a grin and bear it, but lacking the faith, hope and love. And so what the Apostle John was inspired to say to them by the Holy Spirit was this from verse 3. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake. And God loves that patient endurance. He loves that way that people stick with one another through thick and thin in families, going through maybe unemployment or the challenges of a new baby and being kept awake and all those things. And you have not grown weary, he says. They've been really outstanding. But I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. He says, I love your work, I love your labour, I love your endurance, but I wish there was faith and hope and love with it as well. Because Father wants that for us. Sometimes we can think, oh, with God it's all labouring, all this stuff I've got to do. No, dear friends, it's faith and hope and love that he wants filling your hearts as you do these things. There are many people who want your labour, your work, your endurance. The government does, your boss does, your managers, your young children probably do, your spouse maybe does. Maybe you come home and there's a list of things to be done. The school PTA may want your work. The church does. So many people. But in truth, Father wants to bless us. He wants, above all, to fill us with his fire. We were singing it in our songs this morning. Oh, you'd, you'd, you, you made me for so much more than this. right? Let your fire come. These are the prayers we make. Renew, hope that was lost, we sang. You have renewed it. right? You've, we're being renewed in these things. And that's God's heart for us. He's a loving father and he wants to fill us with these things. Now of course there's there's something about routine that is part of our life and we need to rejoice in dear friends. There's something good about that. God made a creation in which there's a 24 hour day didn't he? And a rolling sequence of four seasons and seven days a week. And these are good things. And there's a There's something actually very good for children to have a steady rhythm of life. It gives great security. And I want to commend, I just, I want to commend that actually to us. There's something good about that basic rhythm of life. It's very ordinary, but it's very good. And one of the reasons I want to say I think it's very good is because I see Satan attacking the sort of routine of everyday life. You know, Satan wants to make us very disappointed with just ordinary life. Who wants to make us think, oh, if only my life was more exciting. And to make us compelled to constantly seek new novelties, new experiences, new toys. Because because ordinary life is boring. Do you know, friends, we we need to look at the hands of that new little baby. Because there's a miracle in those hands, isn't there? Actually, to look into the eyes of anybody is a miracle. Every single one of us made, beloved by God. Isn't that amazing? Satan tries to blind us to the real miracles of, what, of everyday ordinary life and make us chase after stupid stuff. Let's not get entrapped in that. Let us enjoy the goodness of everyday life. He tells us, you know, true freedom exists when I rebel against commitment and routine, say, I don't need to stay with this woman I married and, or, or whatever, uh, to, to throw off what daily habits which are actually good good things so let us enjoy and value those routines but without faith hope and love they're not what the father wants for us so just reminding ourselves of verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians we remember before God our father your work produced 
by faith. Your labour prompted by love and your endurance prompted by hope, inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the life I yearn for. I believe it's the life you yearn for. And in my best moments, I'm enjoying that. But I, I find it's a fight to be in the place of joy. Every day, the enemy is trying to pull us into feeling that God is just a, a, a judge and a lawgiver, just demanding things of us and trying to take us off the ground of the gospel which is that God is our saviour, he's our deliverer, he's the one who comes to empower us with faith and love and hope. And so I get hurt when I drift from these things. And, and, and I need to, to recognise, yes, God, I'm not in faith for this today. I want to get back into that place of faith for this because I'm desponding about it. I want to go back to that place of faith. Help me, Father. And, and sometimes I can feel, oh, it's such an effort to get into a place of faith. But actually I find it's worse for me when I don't get into that place of faith because then I'm in a place of despondency. That is not a good place to be because I want to be in a strong place. Because when I'm in a place of despondency, oh, I can't take any more, I don't want any more bad news. And then more bad news arrives. But when I'm in a place of faith, when that more bad news arrives, I think, Satan, you're not going to get one over on me. I'm going to give you one in the eye because I'm holding fast to Jesus Christ. I'm standing on the rock. I'm not going to be knocked down. And I'm holding fast and I'm standing still and I'm holding this ground and you will not knock me over off it. Right? I get knocked down, but I get up again. You know. I can't remember who did that pop song, but anyway, there's something about that. There's something that it takes an effort to be in that spirit, but it's a good place to be. So I hope you are enjoying that and renew your faith in the Lord and we'll seek him for his fire today. Even now, receive hope, receive fresh faith. Those things that are challenging you, don't run on empty. The people with the most hope are the people with the most influence in any situation. You cannot actually lead those you do not love. And so you are sent to be leading people. You're at the very least yourself Maybe your family, people around you, people you work with. So we receive the word, that we receive faith by the scripture is one of the best ways to receive faith. We remind ourselves of God's promise, promises, <clears throat> which is so good. And receiving love, I just, I love it how he says to them, um, verse 4, We know, brothers and sisters, loved by God. He tells, he tells them, you're loved by God. It's so good to speak such words to one another. It's what Paul, Silas and Timothy say. And that he has chosen you. You are chosen. That's so good. You know, I could tell when we were on Ilkley Moor and Adam had fallen over with Zoe that there was a bit of bristling in Emma. I think, you know, it's... Yeah, well, look after my baby. Right, could, yeah, can you get it? And um, I, I just remained very calm. Afterwards, Emma said, "Dad, thank you for being so calm." She said. <laughs> but I also was just encouraging Adam, right? You know, because because he didn't want to fall over. He didn't mean to fall over. He doesn't thought I'll fall over and squash my baby. <laughs> right, obviously not. Do you understand? So I, I just assured him. Just, I just thought, oh, God's going to look after this. You, you, stuff happens in life, doesn't it? 
I put my hand on his shoulder and says, you know, encouraged him. And over Christmas and New Year, did you find opportunity where you could speak good words like Paul, Silas and Timothy do here? You know, you're loved of God. You're chosen by him. These are good words to speak over one another. We should, we should do this. You can do this with people who don't follow Jesus yet, actually. You can start to tell them, you know, God loves you. He really wants to help you. You can start speaking good words. You're discipling them already and helping them. We speak good words. We're lifting people up. And just in finishing, we celebrated last autumn the 500th year of Martin Luther taking steps that in a sense caused the emergence of the whole Protestant church. And um, just in case you're thinking, I'm not sure God wants us to be happy, this question came up for Luther as well. And often people think people like Luther, they were miserable old Puritans, that kind of thing, yeah? But listen, just a couple of quotes from Luther here. He says, Be merry, both inwardly in Christ himself and outwardly in his gifts and the good things of life. He will have it so. He's saying God wants you to be merry in these things. It is for this that he is with us. It is for this that he provides his gifts, that we may use them and be glad, and that we may praise, love, and thank him forever and ever. Enjoy his good gifts. And then he goes on, he says this, You are reluctant to be merry, as if this were sinful. This has often been my case, and sometimes still is. To be sure, to have pleasure in sins is of the devil. But participation in proper and honourable pleasures with good and God-fearing people is pleasing to God. Even if one may at times carry playfulness too far. Don't you just love that? Hey, we're allowed to be playful. It's okay. You know, sometimes I bet you thought, oh, Pradeep's carrying that too far. (laughs) Do you know he's not? He's not. Right? There are people that we think, oh, they're going to... Friends, we're supposed to enjoy following the Lord and enjoy his family. So let us do that. Do you want to stand and... um, We're often a bit flat after New Year and Christmas. I don't know that we we especially need some great shocking thing, but maybe God would love to really bless somebody here today. Hope that was lost now stands renewed, we sang. Is this something you've lost hope in? I just felt God really wanted to stir hope afresh. You're going to reach out to him and let him give you the gift of hope. Because he's the God of hope. And though you might have no reason to hope in human terms. Even in the prayer request Yolanda gave to us. You know, with nothing is impossible with God. Because we can stop to think, oh yes, God can do all of this, but this is not possible for him. Friends, there is nothing in that category. Right? In the list of things impossible to God, there's nothing except God cannot deny himself. Right? God cannot lie, so therefore his promises are true. But the thing which to you looks impossible, 
That is not impossible to God. So let's let, literally let go of all that resisting and receive that hope afresh. Let it be renewed. And you know where our spirits have got a little worn out over Christmas time, maybe. Bring them to Father. Just come to him right now. You're so loved. And you are chosen. You are chosen. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, refresh. Come with fresh fire. Renew our faith. Our eyes have dropped down a bit. The new year's started and still a bit. The days are very short. It's very black. The Christmas decorations are gone. There's a lot of work and labour and endurance. Well, Father, fill it with faith and hope and love, I pray.